read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Sixth Century. The Sixth Century. Heary, heary, come one, come all. This is the Sixth Sense Report with Anthony Mitchell, Tony Lemma, Joel Nikoloff, and Darnell Samuels. Uh, yeah, uh, what you're hearing is correct. Um, now, don't be alarmed, okay? Uh, this is obviously not normal for everyone that usually tunes in, but trust me, there is a reasoning for us being here in this manner and uh, why Tony and myself and Anthony Mitchell are hosting as opposed to Joel and Darnell. Uh, before I actually I start with anything else, I actually want to take the time to big up this gentleman, the other host today, Tony, who uh, Joel and, and Darnell can agree to this, who has been a huge support. And I uh, wanted to take this time to say from all three of us, thank you so much for your support and uh, and you know, just being uh, being there through the whole process. Um, so I want to give your flowers in this moment and say thank you so much. <laughs> and I'm glad that you're you're here hosting uh, this episode. Thank you, yep. uh, too kind. And uh, also thank you for your uh, seeing the work that you do in the background that this these episodes really couldn't happen without your expert technical expertise. Um, and of course, uh, to Darnell, and to Joel, who are always um, commendable in how they treat people. Uh, they make it affirming for anybody of any uh, background, political stripe, uh, differing view, to join them on their show. Uh, and they not only make it affirming, but they actually give them voice uh, and they're heard. And I think that's what um, a civil conversation, in my opinion, should all be should be all about, and, and I think that's uh, the core of this episode, this the show, uh, the Sixth Sense Report. It's about civility and how we can be civil and have civil conversations with each other. Um, having said that, I just have to say that um, be, for the benefit of my employer, anything that I say are my views, <laughs> my views alone. So I, I hope that I won't stick my foot in my mouth, but I I'm sure I won't. But thank you. And uh, for the, I, I would say I agree with you on that sentiment. I've very intentionally never mentioned my employer on any of my episodes. Um, only sort of industry I work in, and and similarly, I think Darnell. Although uh, since Darnell tends to to leverage the six cents report for uh, teaching purposes, I think uh, he he sort of blurs that line a little more than the rest of us. Yeah, oh. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, uh, Tony, um, for coming on. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've been a really great big supporter uh, of the show um, for a long time. Um, always sharing our material, tagging us, tagging us in, in, um, in your debates <laughs> on Twitter um, yeah, as, re yeah. as references. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I, we really appreciate it. And um, yeah, the show wouldn't be what it would it the show wouldn't be what it is without you, man. So we really appreciate you. Thank you. And for for the audience, hopefully between the little bit of banter we've had so far and the title of this episode being the beginning of the end, um, they can sell it's, it's something different. Um, so um, yeah, it's uh it's, it's a bit of a bittersweet episode. Let's put yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll jump right into that. I mean, it's, I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure you have it handy there, Joel. But when, what was the first episode? What was the first release date? What was the first episode? Yeah, I was actually trying to look. Uh, December 15th, uh, 2017. 2017. Yeah, December 15th, 2017. Um, and because obviously I want to ask the question, leads to us, you know, why is this the beginning of the end? Before we even go into that, I'm even thinking about, you know, remembering the moment and kind of reliving the moment, I guess, when we first 
you guys came to my old my old uh, basement apartment and <laughs> recorded on your my kitchen setup, table. My, my kitchen table that was uh, moved into my living room just so we had space to record everything. Uh, and we would record what like uh, I think four episodes within yeah, one we session. Would bang out four episodes back to back, you know, and uh, you know record those and get them out and release them, and it was. It was great times, even when we had guests. Sometimes that was very interesting. We we have to make sure guests came at certain times. Um, oh. and you know, I I got to take the moment to big up my wife as well. Uh, of course, I think we all do. It's a team coordination, family effort to get this yes. done. Yes, yeah, that's true. So, so so grateful that I was able to utilize that space and, uh, and have you guys over during that time, but. Um, but it was it was definitely a fond memory. I have to look for a picture and try and see if we can post it. Yeah, I, th- I think I might have one of me, uh, or or a table maybe when Sam Say was there. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our first Sam Say episode, we had yeah. him in your basement, live yes. interview in the studio. Oh man, we, but, we've we've come a long way. We, We're now all at home remotely, the Zoom type thing. <laughs> but. I, I got to ask you guys the question. Obviously, I, I understand this, but with the listeners and the viewers, um, why is this? Uh, I mean, I'll let Darnell uh, start, and then uh, maybe I'll give a bit of rundown on, on this season slash the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw... Uh... Sen- Shannon Sharp uh, leave Skip Bayless, and I was like, "It's time for a brother to get liberated, man." <laughs> I was like, "Look at these guys, these guys uh, break it up," and I was like, "You know what? This this might be a good idea." Uh, so, yeah, no, um, just scheduling, right? Um, scheduling, uh, trying to coordinate. Uh, things just got harder and harder. Uh, I. As all of you know, uh, I transitioned into uh, teaching, and teaching is very um, taxing and like intellectually, right? So, before, if like putting together six cents report content and prepping for shows, I was able at my former job, I was able to put more time and thought into uh, putting six cents material together. And now that I'm teaching in, in this job, all my all my mental strength and creativity goes into teaching. So now to turn around and then put together a six sense episode or even just just prep for it, um, there was just no energy. So you add to that um, burnout um, intellectually and creativity, and then time wise, Joel and I and our schedules just weren't lining up. Uh, what would you say, Joel? Yeah, no, I I was I think you know. I, I made the joke to you, you know, you transitioned from a job to a career and uh, your capacity to put your job on hold to do this when it's a job is one thing to put your career on hold is, is another um, for, for something like this. And, and I would say, you know, similarly for me, uh, my career, my family, all these things continuing to put more time restraint and burden, um, you know, trying to do video has been good and fun. But it also requires building a mini studio in my house for, you know, 20 minutes before we, we do an episode, get it all organized and tear it all back down. And let's say uh, set up my my kids gaming station that I've slightly taken over with this spot <laughs> before next morning. So he has no idea that like the house is upside down. Um, yeah, just just difficult. But but I think for me, I think the best way to convey this is to really give the audience a, a sort of. Uh, an understanding of what's coming, but also what's coming also plays out what Darnell just said in terms of the reality of it. So essentially starting, you know, the fall of last year uh, is when, you know, if you notice, I interviewed, there was a couple episodes that I had without Darnell and we were trying to figure out how do we make this work. Um, eventually in the, basically since the beginning of this year, we've been able to record, we've had three recording sessions, this being, you know, essentially the last being the fourth recording session. Um, and as a result, 
you know, that we only were able to really get to get, I think we had gr- six great episodes to finish. So for the audience, this is the seven, there's going to be seven episodes to, to finish out sort of a final season. This being the first of seven, i.e. the beginning of the end. And, um, I mean, I'll give a little bit of context so that when the audience is listening to those episodes, they understand, uh, you know, time and place or time of, of recording. Uh, but I'll, so I'll give you a bit of rundown in a second, but you know, ha- being able to normally, I mean, we were putting together 40 episodes a year, basically recording one a week and, and that was the rhythm. And then Darnell, you know, had a, had a, had a opportunity that he couldn't say no to obviously is where he wanted to go. And that really in, made it impossible to continue with that pace. It's just, um, not, not it's just too hard. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And that's why, you know, when I said, we got to thank all of our wives because it was, you know, a family coordination to, to be able to record. I mean, you know, I would say a lot of times my wife's either going to my mom's house or putting the kids to bed without me and I'm recording. So essentially for, for the audience, I'll give you a rundown. We don't, I don't want to say which episodes are coming out when just yet, just cause we're still working out the, the, let's say timeline of episodes, but I'll give you the timeline of when they were recorded. So in March, we recorded two episodes, one called socialism in Canada. The other one is called is immigration detention, a human rights issue. That one is uh, sort of a, it's actually a continuation of episode two, which I absolutely love. Um, we're touching on a, one of our preliminary episodes. Um, and that is uh, regarding uh, Roxham road, which there was some, let's say, uh, changes from the time we recorded the episode. But fortunately, we generally have taken the approach of trying to have an evergreen conversation. So I think a lot of what we said in the continuation of, as I said, episode two, um, even though it's uh, almost going to come out a year after when it was recorded, it's still relevant. Uh, but there has been a little bit of uh, progression in in that Roxham Road issue from that time. Um, in August, we recorded an episode uh, it was t- we titled it Muslim protest, but essentially it was the million or leading up to that million person March that happened, uh, in, uh, September of, of 2023. And so we sort of anticipate or t- discuss that issue as it, before it happened, um, uh, based on the protests that happened in, uh, June of 2023. So sort of in between the original protest and the final million man March. And then uh, we also discussed the Canadian asylum and refugee scenario of, of uh, essentially sleeping on the streets in Toronto and then churches helping them out. So we talked through that issue. Again, that was in the August. And then in September, we recorded uh, two episodes, one on uh, a documentary called Waiting to Die by Aaron Gunn. And then the last, which will be the last episode um, is the greatest lie ever sold by Candace Owens. Um, so that's what the audience can expect for this final season. Um, as I said, I, I've sort of given you the timeline of when those episodes were recorded because there is a little bit of uh, changing of, of issues um, since the time it was recorded. So I want to make sure you contextualize the, the conversation. So all that to say, you know, with the output level that we were at and, and what the quality that we want to maintain, um, you know, right now it's just, it's not something we can do. And so it's, it's sort of time to, to leave the audience with, um, closure as opposed to just disappearing. Like we sort of did for the last nine months to a year. And so we want to finish well and strong. And, and this is, you know, what, what hopefully the audience has expected from us. They'll get in the last six episodes that are to come. I totally hear you about uh, the level of commitment that you've been making. And, and just on that point, my wife is playing euchre uh, with her family tonight. Uh, and so I can't imagine the sacrifice your partners had to make for you and, and the sacrifices you made. And, and I guess that's a good question or leading to a question is, what did you get out of this? What did, what What was sort of why you have done this? And what, what did you sort of get from doing the Sixth Sense Report? Was there something that inspired you to do it? Uh, what was that thing that drove you to continue to do it, even though it took a lot of commitment? And by the way, it shows with the quality of your episodes. They're all amazing, by the way. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, I'll say a, a simple line was, I remember listening to Joe Rogan and being like, I want to be part of the conversation. 
um, was sort of an impetus to, to start. But I, I would, Darnell, what, uh, what, what would you say is the most beneficial for you? Um, how did, how did I benefit? Uh, I benefited well, career wise, um, in that, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, um, I'm a big believer in creating and preparing for uh, the moment. So opportunity meets preparation. I'm, I'm a big believer in divine providence. God puts something on your heart. You just go and do it. And then the opportunity comes. So the benefit was I was able to, um, you know, become a teacher in the areas that the episode, that the show uh, specialized in. Um Right, theology, economics, history, all in the Canadian context, which was which was what the show was about. And I was able to transition into a career where I'm able to do that and use use all the knowledge that I've gained from the show in in a career. And I also, like uh, Joel mentioned, and I use some of the content for um, class activities. And then I was able to, uh, you know, go to Fraser Institute. Uh, and joined the uh, um, economics for journalists uh, program um, and policy for journalists. And um, I was able to uh, do some work with the Ezra Institute and Joe Boot and those guys and do a couple um, talking opportunities. So, um, yeah, it, it, um, it opened up a lot of doors uh, for me, uh, and, and I'm very grateful for it. How about you, Joel? I think for me, the biggest thing was was really – it gave me an outlet to sort out my ideas, right? Like so many times I find for myself articulating my thoughts and, and putting those thoughts to sentences that are structured and, and trying to communicate was, was also helping me re refine exactly how I perceived things. Um, and then, you know, being able to then have further conversations on these issues um, was, was a big part just in, internally and I, and I say like, there's an aspect of like being an outlet that like when we're talking through craziness of, you know, what's in going on society of like semi venting and just, you know, having a conversation that, that gave me the capacity to deal with it, some of those things and not have to like throw all that on my wife <laughs> when, when maybe that's not something she wants to talk about. But I would say the other thing, you know, sort of along the personal professional side of things was. Um, just continuing to refine my communication skills. I, you know, working in the financial industry, I'm generally in communicating with non-financial people all the time. And so, you know, if I take the concept of like, I know economics well, and now I'm trying to take economic principles and communicate them in a, to a layman, I, I'm doing the same thing in finance all the time. You know, you take the a pastor who basically may barely understand numbers and you're trying to communicate numerical information to them. Right. And, and I mean, it doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be numbers of, you know, there's very lots of different types of people who look at numbers and they go cross-eyed instantly. Um, and, and so, yeah, just that ability to communicate is something that's important for my career. And, and this show really helped me continue to, to cultivate, and, and also understand that how you communicate and maybe the examples you use, how that influences uh, the ability for someone to understand what it is you're, you're trying to communicate. I think it's really, uh, really interesting just to hear your, both of your answers as well. Um, and I, I kind of laughed a little when you said uh, you're finding your... I guess your your speech in, in a sense because I felt like in the beginning. <laughs> Are you referring uh, to how much editing you used to do? <laughs> and this is me letting people behind the scenes. It's like in the beginning, it was like if we let Joel go, like that's it. Like Joel will go on for a long time, which is great in certain situations. Like we want we want that, but then it was like one of those things where as a team, and this kind of showed me how serious both of you guys were about this. It's like as a team, we wanted to be able to create something that, you know, we were able to get the information out in a great time, but also just enough that we can make it very interesting so that we can 
when it's moments that Joel needs to kind of go off and do his thing, Joel go, can go off and do his thing. And then Darnold can jump in and, and do what he needs to do. So, you know, it's, it, and then, yes, from an editing standpoint, it made my job easier as we progress for sure. But, you know, I never really, uh, I, I never really hated it or anything like that. I always enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, and I would say I also benefited from a lot of it because, again, I'm, I'm editing it, but I'm also listening to what it's being said. And, you know, it, it was always something new that I was able to grab from and learn from. Even getting to the point where I felt like, oh man, like I, I wish there were, I wish there was more time, and that we could continue it, because I, I felt like there was so much more I wanted us to to be able to do for sure. Um, even when it came to like inviting people that usually wouldn't want to be on the platform, um, like this, like Tony, you know, alluded to earlier, uh, giving people a voice that you know wouldn't really have a voice in these types of situations where they might not agree with you, but you're able to at least sit down and have that conversation. Again, it leads to the whole essence of uh, the show and what that's about. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good segue, though, into, um, you know, asking what your favorite episode of Wanda's Memory was. But before, actually, I'll ask Tony. Tony, I'll ask you this question first. Um, your favorite episode because it will go to you joel and darnell and then we can add the whole fondest memories behind it but tony what would you say your favorite episode uh, is? um I, I think i'd have more than one <laughs> okay well, i mean if you have more than one yes. yeah i, I think um just as a sidebar they were also very educational um things that i had no idea i think um an interesting episode was francis Woodison. And her story um, as a marginalized LGBT woman uh, being further marginalized by being silenced because she didn't have a particular view that aligned with the view that everybody from, I'm just going to say the political left, wanted her to have. And uh, so she now, I believe, is in, um, is in a legal case about that with, with the university that she was working at. And uh, I think that you, success report, and um, and um, and Joel gave her a voice, and uh, I guess that just really impressed me. I also liked Ibram um, X Kendi that episode because I never heard his points of view. He sounded so rational, and his comments were fair comments. Uh, and I think it, they deserve voice uh, from maybe his background uh, or his personal experiences. I, I feel like they have, sorry, <laughs> I have, uh, my wife is probably coming home now. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. There's always background noise at some yeah, point. It's a given. I'm going to let you guys answer that. Or actually, my other episode was uh, Sam the episode with Sam, sorry, uh, he's just, he has such an amazing um, voice. Uh, he's very thoughtful. Uh, he has an interesting thought process. And I think that, uh, again, they're different kind of a background, um, but it's really great that he was able to share his voice. And my apologies again for my three big thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. Uh, for for me, honestly, I always answer this question the same way because I'm sure we've like, or maybe not always the favorite episode, or but something along those lines. I always say brown privilege because I I remember going into that episode like, Darnell, I have no idea why we're doing this episode. Like, I don't understand what are we and like this was maybe the ten minutes before me and him hashed it out. Okay, I understand the objective now, but I remember finishing the episode being like. That was amazing. And I did not, I had, I don't want to say I had low expectations, but I just, it didn't, I didn't expect the, the quality of the episode when I went into it. Then even just literally the moment I finished it, finished recording, I was just like, this was awesome. This was a great episode. Like, I think the audience is going to love it. I think it was 
you know, informative. It, it, I was being informed maybe half by Darnell, what he was saying in the episode in such a way that I was just, yeah, I just, I always go back to that episode as like a favorite episode because I just, my own expectations were blown away. So Darnell, favorite episode? Yeah. Um, with that said, um, with the Brown privilege, there's a little background to that. Uh, so those, we did an episode with, uh, Candace Malcolm, um, captain of true North. Right. And I don't know if you remember Joel, but I think you got cut off, um, something with your Wi-Fi near the end of the episode, you got cut off or something like mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just me and her, um, on, on, on the record like after the record or maybe after the recording, actually it was yeah. after the recording. And I just asked her, um, like, you know, what advice do you have like to make, good content like you know because true north is, is is growing and is doing well and she said like like do your own like do your own investigations don't just reiterate other people's investigations but do your own like come up do your research ask critical questions and offer something new and so i was just like okay um so brown privilege just came out of something i just saw out my window um being in brampton as a black male and noticing that i'm surrounded by like a lot of brown people. And I was just kind of like, okay, sorry, what's going on here? Um, so, but yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, so for me, my um, favorite episode um, in order. So I'll give you my top five, my top five episodes in order. At number five, um, Tight Beast episode, Why Liberalism Failed. I learned a lot from that, um, from just doing the research, and, and it's altered my perspective um, politically and philosophically. Uh, fourth is uh, Gentrifiers and NIMBYs, because uh, Joel and I got into an argument on the show. <laughs> Joel and I got into an argument about uh, like gentrification. Um, so that, 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 it was, it was good. It was good. We got heated on that one. Um, we rise together was, um, was helpful in showing that six Sense report was actually researching and coming up with, um, uncovering things that wasn't being uncovered. So it made me feel proud. Like, oh, wow. We looked at this. Um, uh, we looked at the research on why black males are struggling in the peel board we looked at the report we looked at the numbers and we came away with wait a minute there's something off with the numbers there's something off with the research there's something off with the survey and we were able to uncover it so that was really good um yeah uh that one was three and then two uh what's love got to do with it uh that was the one on um on marriage and economics and that has altered my view on marriage forever Marriage is a business. It is a business <laughs> transaction. Y'all need to get your business together. That after that, I walked away from it. I said, nah, from now on, my pitch is yo, it's a business transaction. So make sure the person you're aligning with is good for business. Uh, all right. <laughs> it was a really good episode. I gotta go back and read that article. It really changed my life. And then um uh, the, and, and if you're on not understanding Darnell's comments, listen to the episode. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to go back. Yeah, man, you got to go to the episode. Um, and then um, the number one one was uh, Canada's racist policies, uh, and that one um, was really good because it looked at um, the different classes of Canadians, which I didn't know. And this was based off of um, JJ McCullough's YouTube channel, where he 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 did a, a, a he did an episode on the six classes of Canadian citizens. And that opened my eyes to how racist policies can be seen as positive, I guess, depending on who you are. Um, so that was really good. So those are those are my uh, five. Um, if you don't mind, uh, I also have my five guests real quick. Okay. Yeah. Five guests um, in order at number five. Um, David Coise's um, Unmasking America's Political Idolatry with global scholar David Coises. After I read his book, we were able to get in touch with him and that was a good conversation. Um, his content really impacts the way I teach now. Um, four, stats that don't count, decoding Canada's color-coded income inequality with economist Stefan Nugstyle Dindile, AKA the Econ Don. 
Econ Don. Shout out to Stefan. Um, and then three N SARS with Sean and Shope at Yemi. Um, that episode went pretty long. Um, but it was really good hearing their story on how they came to Canada and life in New Nigeria and the whole NSARS thing. It was really, it was really powerful. I really enjoyed sitting down with those two. Uh, and then the second one was um Black Judges Matter 2. Oh yeah. Uh, the cold the cold truth. <laughs> the yeah. cold truth with, with Desmond Cole. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was really good because that was a follow-up episode. So we got to do one episode, leave it hanging, and then come back and get more context and unpack it more with um an expert journalist like Desmond Cole. And he's also an award-winning journalist as well. And then uh la then my number one I have is the politically incorrect guide to Canada's Aboriginal problem with Francis Whittleson. So that's what um that's what uh, uh Tony mentioned that episode. So those are my the, five. What was the line that you I think you said you said something I always remember. I think you said like uh I'll pray for you or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and she said if that makes you feel good or something. Yeah. It was it was honestly, it was it was a cool I don't know, it was cool. a know, cool or interesting response, but it was like it was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Again, like, yeah, that was uh, actually though that was really funny because 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 she, she was um the, the the institution was coming down on her and they're trying to fire her, yeah. they're trying to cancel her, they're giving her all this trouble and she just wants to you know do what's right. And I said, you know, I'll, you know, I'll definitely pray for you. She said, what? Yeah, whatever. I mean, if, if that makes you feel good, I mean, I don't know what that's gonna do for me, but. <laughs> But I, I will say though, yeah, I think I was gonna say that the guests for me, a lot of the guests that were on, all of the guests that were on, um, you know, that was those are the episodes that kind of made me feel like, okay, you know, we got something here that people are, are rocking with. Not to say obviously off the strength of just the two of you doing an episode. Um, I always imagined when you know Joel talked about. Was uh, laissez faire, the, yeah, yeah, the, the beginning or the genesis of what is now the six inch report and that uh conversation you had with Darnell. Um, I always imagined that you know you guys would have your two cents, and then of course, that extra two cents would always be a guest of some sort. So when we started getting guests on, um, it was always, it was always interesting to, to kind of see and and listen to other people's thoughts on things that didn't agree with you sometimes, but it was great. It was a great conversation for sure. So, mm -hmm. so on the guest note, I'm not going to lie. My favorite was the most uh, animosity guest that we had and that, or, or animosity might not be the right word, but we had, we did an episode with the teachers like us podcast. Yes. We were sitting at Darnell's kitchen table four of us and and i would say like i was going hard like i would i didn't give them any 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 you know rope like you know if you're gonna say something i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge you well hold and, on hold on hold on hold on hold on stop man yo, yo man you like my wife man you don't tell stories properly uh, you, don't, you don't tell because well, the punchline of this story hold look, up, for me hold, you hold can tell on, the story no stop but, stop. but the okay, punchline for Look. me was the week after she chirped something I said on the show on her Instagram page. No, and I was like, "Wait, hold on, wait, hold on." She wait, has no clue what she's talking about. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So that for me, yeah, that, was, that was after the episode. No, I think I saw that actually. No, no. she she chirped. Here's the chirp from a guest. I didn't I did, know that. I didn't remember the chirp. Yes, the chirp was this. I was challenging where the money was coming from to fund this right like my challenge to them primarily was like we have to spend money well and if we're not doing it right we can just stop what we're doing and do something different i mean that may not be exactly what i said but that was sort of the point her comment on her podcast or her on her instagram page was essentially like aren't we just lending the money to ourselves like who where's this like you know it was sort of as essentially demonstrating the lack of understanding of finance how money works and 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 again to me it just solidified the point i was making you you don't get it but but so for me 
that 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 there's the whole like that part of it was really but darnell you tell the story about actually the recording of it because okay so so what happened uh we we recorded at my house at the kitchen table so it was all four of us and then um i guess i guess we were coming to the end of so we were coming to the end of the episode which was about at the 55 minute mark and then um one of the guests uh basically took a shot at joel um um and in true michael jordan fashion like joel joel took a personal <laughs> joel, t- joel joel went what and then joel and in my head i was just like oh this guy this guy went into kobe mode right where he's like all right well basically she she basically accused joel of white privilege and him not being able to think clearly because he's white and well, you can I, be honest you can you can you can be honest and say that joel said yeah he right but no but yeah so so and 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 that's kind of joel was just like okay whoa 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 we're not yeah i mean that episode went two hours yeah and then it went another hour um (laughs) but double checked i like hit but at that time yeah but but at that time um you know using basketball terminology you know uh joel uh kindly waved me off and went iso when I saw and put them on an island, as we say, put them on an island, and Joel just went to work. Um, and in my head, it was one of those things in my head because you know, I've been recording with Joel. I was like, Oh, you crossed the line. I was like, Yo, you in my head, I was like, Oh, you crossed the line. You're you, can't, on your own. you can't come at Joel like that, man. If you come at Joel with that stuff, Joel's like, Okay, look, man, I'm not, no, I'm not gonna let that slide. And and Joel, um, really went, and in I, I think I used their own lines against them. I just, whatever they said, I would turn around and be like, Yeah, you're, you're proving my point. Like, which at the end of the day, the point that the, what I did was basically they're like, oh, yeah, we recognize that, like, by using white privilege in the classroom. Now we have these kids who are animosity towards the other white kids. I'm like, yes, this is my point. I'm telling you the terminology you're using is wrong to communicate what you're trying to communicate. And you just affirmed it because you demonstrated that you're creating more animosity in your classroom by using this terminology. Well, and I, I, I would agree with you, Joel, uh, if I could have an opinion, uh, it would be that uh you certainly were giving her a voice and then she was turning around and saying that, but you don't have a voice. Um, uh, yeah. A tad hypocritical. I I'd say. But definitely. So uh, I had fun with that one. Definitely a, a great, a great uh, episode. I mean, the, the types of episodes I knew around that time, whenever we had our production meetings, I knew the type of episodes that we wanted to continue to have. Um, and it's not to it's not to try and again it was never it's never to try and knock anyone down personally. It's just to you know attack the ideas, right, and challenge and make people think, and also on our end to make us think as well, right. So, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, one of those moments where it's like, all right, let's let's let Joel do his thing. Let, let Joel cook, you know. Let him yeah, cook. let him cook. <laughs> let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> you know. Yeah, man. I thought you were talking about the CLS barbecue for a second. Ah, uh, <laughs> CLS. Uh, yeah. Sorry, inside joke for our listeners. We basically have started uh, annual barbecues at my house for uh, CLS Dream Team. So, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, in terms of uh, obviously, that's my fondest memory. Uh, I mean, Darnell's already given you the audience a lot of uh, of. Uh, his favorite, I would say, guest moments. Is there anything, Darnell, we haven't touched on in terms of fondest? I mean, I'll say, you know, me and you planning episodes, doing episodes, it's just generally been obviously a little bit stressful because you're you're creating something, but but generally an enjoyable experience. Um, um and learning too, right? Like you yeah. always bring things in a different way that that challenges me to make sure I know what I'm doing, I know what I understand. And and to incorporate other things. Yeah, um, it's funny because I was thinking about um, that time me and you met at a second cup at Eglinton in here, Ontario. The plan, uh, their first planning meeting. Yeah, yeah, first planning meeting. Um, and I and um, I actually we recorded it. I actually have I don't know where the recording is. 
Um, but there was a, the, we, I think it was recorded and we were sitting there just talking about what we were trying to do. So it's crazy how we are, we're here now. And, and, and it's a good feeling to know that you make plans, you execute them, things happen. Um, and then you can close the door and saying, Hey, I mean, we did a, we did a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and, and on that note, like if you look at our numbers, you know, it's not like there's anything spectacular, but you know, I, I'll say I've been exposed to organizations trying to create content for their constituents and doing far worse than than we did, just throwing it out into the Internet without an audience. And, and you know, the example I'm giving you, they have an audience, they have a captured audience and the, and the, and the content still not being consumed. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's a level that as much as we don't focus on numbers, the fact that we're not getting, you know, only family and friends downloading our episodes, uh, there's an affirmation that like, Hey, we're contributing to, to the conversation and people like what we have to say. Yeah. Um, and that's and humbling. And that, and, and, and that's very humbling when people you don't know, like Tony, um, reach out and they're like, Oh, this is really good. And I'm like, it is <laughs> like it is, uh, uh, for, for the listeners. Um, Tony uh, reached out. Well, he's been reaching out. He's been sharing our stuff. And I was kind of like, Joel, who is this guy? Like, this guy, <laughs> this guy like, do you know? I was like, Joel, do you know him? Like, is he your cousin? <laughs> right? Joel's like, no, I don't even know him. I'm like, oh, wow. And this guy really like rocks with us like that. And then one time he um, he posted something on his Twitter about where he went to have breakfast. And I was like, oh, yo, where is that? And he's like, oh, it's so-and-so in Hamilton, man. Hey, if you're ever in town, yo, lunch is on me. I was like, our breakfast is on me. I was like, oh, oh, really? No. Like, all, right. <laughs> all right, I'm coming. <laughs> like, all right. So, um, and then so um, yeah, you know, um, I went out to Hamilton and met Tony, and and um, we had breakfast, and it was a great meeting, and great to meet with him. And I was, and I, and I, and, and that that's the highlight. One of the highlights of doing the podcast was that you got introduced to new people that you would never would have met. Um, so yeah, thank you, Tony, and all the and all the other people um who who chimed in on the group or on Twitter. Um, and engage with the content. Yeah, yeah. So thank yeah. you for that. I definitely, I definitely got a few, you know, Facebook messages that turn into conversations with listeners. It's funny. One of them turned into a guest that we picked the wrong guest. Like he showed me an episode or something and he was like, he was wanting me to interview one person and we ended up getting the other person. And, and it, it actually turned out to be a great episode, but like, I thought he was saying, oh, you should interview this guy. And actually it was like the second person that he actually wanted us to engage with. But, but all that to say, like, you know, I think you're right, Darnell, the, the engagement from the audience that, that also that comes back to what I was saying about being stressed, right? Like the part of why you get stressed coming into doing this is like, people care. Like, you know, I don't want to just go rambling for 20 minutes cause I wasn't prepared. And, and, you know, waste the audience time um mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i i don't think i ever walked away from an episode being like that was garbage i know i walked into an episode scared a few times like oh no this is gonna suck and it never you know turned out to be that way um but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering too with so many um really great episodes and great guests and fond memories like like our breakfast uh, Darnell, and I think I still owe you a breakfast as well. All three of you, I, I'd love to take you all out for breakfast or lunch uh, and, or wherever you guys are at. I, I think that would be a, a nice uh, experience to have. But with all those uh, fond memories, are, would, do you have any regrets? Are there? I know there were difficult subjects to broach. Uh, and I know maybe you didn't have the audience um, that you ought to have with such great conversations, great guests, and difficult subjects that you broached. Uh, but what might be a regret? Or um, or maybe not just a regret, but what, what might you do different if you were to do this again? Well, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I, I think, um, I mean, I'm glad I didn't spell it any regrets um, for those that, that get that joke. But anyways... <laughs> No, no regrets. It's a, a internet meme tattoo. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think for me, you know, I think the way you worded it, what would you do differently? I think the only thing would be potentially to try to go to video sooner was, was really maybe the only thing that we, we contemplated. Um, and maybe I don't want to say we took too long because, um, 
there's a level that technology and the way things worked um you know when we first started recording i don't think the bandwidth of internet was probably good enough for us to really remotely do video podcasting and have you know not semi pixelated like even when we did uh, an episode with uh, i think it was shayon oh no sorry the showpay episode like his video stream wasn't great and you know not to, i think if we had tried to do video in like 2020 pre-covid um you know potentially it just it might not have worked out so as much as i say like what i do differently it's more like if we were to start a podcast again now um i think video probably would be the way it would start um but that's not so much doing it differently as in uh doing it in the co- today's context differently um but i think I, I think there's just the side like me and darnell recording in person I think the content maintained its quality the um, because being in person, I found the conversations were, were different. If we had been starting like audio only over the phone kind of thing, I think um, that that might've been poor. Um, we, we did do a number of episodes where we were in different places at different times or Darnell was secretly recording at work. Um, and, and I'm at home. Um, and <laughs> I could say that because it's no longer his job and it's not yeah. a problem. Um, but, but you know, we, we <laughs> you know, if we had started that way, I think it would have hindered the content. But our, our rapport had been built that we knew what each other would do. We knew what each other was bringing to the table uh, that we were able to record both being in different places, just audio only. Um, and so, yeah, I think while that's not directly answering the question, it is an aspect of, um, something we always talked about. I think from day one, we probably were talking about trying to go to video and what was it like 160 episodes or so in before it happened? Um, maybe a little earlier than that. So it would be the technical challenges, uh, if you could do it again. Yeah. Just, I mean, I've also learned a lot. Like, I mean, I, I basically, you know, when we first started doing video, Anthony did all the, the restream controlling all this craziness. And at some point I, you know, had to do it myself. And so, you know, help that I was part of this and then doing it. So that that's where, you know, I've learned more to be able to do it differently. And that's where like, I think regrets transitioning to the other question you asked, it, it sort of fits my answer a little better. Um, I think at the end of the day, I, you know, from a regret, like I wouldn't, there's nothing I did or published that we, that I'm sort of disappointed about. Um, you know, things happen. We've, we've, you know, dropped calls, restarted and and the content just flowed. And, you know, i I feel bad for Anthony in terms of trying to put together audio files. I think there's one time we like had to had four audio files cause we kept dropping and just kept start over. Okay. Keep going. But the cool um, thing about that is again, those are the things that I, I love. I love those challenges. And I lo- I've always liked the idea of you know, being able to manipulate audio in a way that it makes it sound like that never happened. And of course, I'll never tell the audience what episodes those were. But, <laughs> you know, that's the whole idea for it to, you know, flow and, and kind of see what yeah. And on that note, I would say, like, I think we have one, maybe two lost tapes that that basically either lost or unusable content. And, you know, as a percentage, that's pretty good. But I still like, you know, those conversations are like, those were still good combos. I wish we could have put them out. But, um, yeah, I'm literally losing two episodes out of it'll be 187 when it's all said and done. I think it's pretty good. I'm sure there's many more that were lost. I think um, I can answer one other slight different way. Uh, it's sort of half good, half bad, and, and only half bad in that, like, would it have made our bet content better is we really um, never cut content for the most part. Like, you know, obviously, Anthony Audio edited my um uh, 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 struggles at times, especially early on. But at the same time, the the um you know manner in which things happened it uh it was good it was good and and darnell what what was would be something that you might do different or a regret um yeah regret um 
I think, I think like, um, cause I'm, I'm a perfectionist. So, um, there were times I wish I said things better. Um, and like as, as the, as the, um, as the show went on and I got better, um, better at the show, um, I started to really like be clear. Um, because the, the thing that's easy about audio is that, um, like okay well if you're writing that's when you're super clear but speaking it's hard to be clear in the amount of time that you have you don't have an unlimited amount of time so you really have to think through um your pieces so that way you can audiogram and and have um sound bites to share right um so so just thinking spending more time and thinking through what i was going to say um but then also uh, starting slow growing slow, um, run your race type of thing where, um, like Anthony always coached us and said, you know what guys, like, you'll just, just put your stuff out there leave it as it is. And there was a part of me that felt regret for like, Oh, well, it's not as good as it could be. Um, but you, like Anthony was saying, like you grow with the content and you get there. Um, so going from audio <clears throat> to video, um, it's two different things. Um, I, I video is great. Um, but like, uh, like Joel said, the setup, the setup. Um, and, and I said this before and I'll say it again, being on video is not the same for black people. Um, because we got to have the, you got to have the proper lighting, man. You gotta, ha you can't be, you can't, when be you have a here. ghostly complexion, that's a similar problem. Yo, Hey, <laughs> but not the same, <laughs> not yo, man. Having proper lighting is crucial and having the right setup. And then I think um, because everybody's on YouTube or on video, everybody's video is looking great. So now you're trying to put all this stuff into making your videos look better, what you're wearing, where your mic is placed, what kind of mic you have, what's in your background, how good is your lighting. Changes. But, but yeah, but if you're on audio, man, that's when it, to me it was it was really easy to do audio where like i'll be in my marina in boxers and <laughs> jump on and eating dinner and right still be able to do other things um and it was just easy to jump on or whatever the case may be um but then yeah it, it it was it was a lot or you can just record anywhere you can literally record anywhere. Like Joel said, like I, I, could, work. Record at, I could record at work, like to get stuff done. Um, so part of it is like, yeah, like once, once you transition to video, um, it, it becomes a lot harder. Um, not harder, just, it just takes more work. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I, I would say that would be, um, one of my regrets just, uh, going into video made it more difficult and more draining and to set up and this and that and led lights at night um keeping you awake and this and this and that so but yeah but other than that uh no regrets for for the show you know you, you got to take the bumps and bruises um you got to learn from your mistakes it's just part of the process well, you both shown real professionalism and i think that you like you've mentioned uh, that you've grown and uh, that your show has grown and going to video uh, is just a example of that growth. And it just, it's been uh, amazing just to watch you guys uh, interview guests. And it's been amazing to watch you guys interact with each other. Um, and to, to get real, I think is the word with your guests. Like, you know, you, you want to hear them, you want to hear their opinions. Uh, and you want to give them voice, but you also uh, ask them fair questions, challenging questions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we at the end of the day, you know, I think steel manning the opposition was a uh, underlying purpose. Like, what's the point of having the conversation with the straw man? Like, every like, let's just watch, turn on CBC for that garbage. You know, um, I, I think. For whatever reason, Darnell and I wanted to have integrity with the conversation, not just present. And, uh, you know, I mean, maybe that's an oversimplification, but I think um, our intention was to have good conversations. And, and I think we both talked about how we both learned and grew 
And that was part of our motivation for ourselves too, right? Like I didn't just want to tell people what I think at the same time. Like I want to dig into this issue, know it, tease it out, understand what the good, ugly parts of it are. And hopefully Darnell's going to say something that makes me go, okay, wait, did I understand that fully? Did I chat? Like what, what's going on here? Um, yeah. 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 No, definitely. Um, I, I would also add if I was giving tips to people who are trying to start their podcast, I think the reason why we were able to make it to 180 something episodes and do it for about five years was because of me, Joel and Anthony. And we had, we had a system working where I would, uh, curate the content, um, timestamp the content. Um, after, uh, Anthony showed me how to do that, timestamp the content, find the content, put it together. Then, you know, me and Joel would do it. And then Joel would find the show notes and fill in all the gaps with the show notes and the details and the posting and making sure that it's all laid out properly. And it never occurred to me why show notes were important, but, but, but the show notes act as, as, as a, uh, a citation page where people are hearing you mention things and they can go to it. And I didn't know that was a thing. So Joel would always make sure to do that. Um, I would post the stuff to social media. Anthony would edit the, the, the podcast and people always ask me like, you know, about the editing process. And I said, look, man, after I record success report, I never listen to it again. I've never, I, I don't listen to it again because Anthony <laughs> Unless and Joel, it's for an assignment. Yeah. Yeah. But Anthony and, and, and Joel are, are the ones who would go and listen to it again. But the point I'm making is that if you can, when you're starting your podcast, try to put together a team, um, preferably one with, um, Anthony Mitchell, shout to Madden <laughs> Mitchell media. Um, you know, uh, contact him if you're trying to get your podcast um, off the ground and, and doing big things. Uh, please, please, guys, do not sleep on um, having somebody who, who went to school for radio, right? <laughs> who, do, who went to school for this, right? So, so holler at Anthony uh, Madden Mitchell Media. But I think the simplest part of what Darnell said, I've said it to so many people, not doing this on my own made a world of a difference. You know, if you're if you're trying to do a podcast and it's just you, that that's tough because, you know, there's times when I'm giving Darnell ideas, he's giving me ideas, you know, you're feeding off of each other. And then Anthony, too. Right. Like it's not, not we all had our roles, but we all contributed in multiple ways, uh, whether that being, you know, supporting Darnell with the social media part, all, you know, trying to contribute in one regard or another. But Darnell is primarily doing this or I'm primarily doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, think, but, but also back and forth on a show, whether, whether, you know, like low key, Joel be like, Hey, like, you know, can you carry this one? I'm like, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I'll carry this one. I'm like, Hey, yo, Joel, and that's, can you that's carry this one? The moments. Those are the right. Moments. Right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Can you, like, can you, can you carry this one? Like, like, like Shaq and, and Hardaway. Right. Mm. We're just, just yeah. playing off of each other. And sometimes, you know, we just got to carry each other through it. But if you're doing it by yourself, you're doing the editing process. You're fighting the content. You're doing the show, bruh. Come on, man. It's exhausting. It. Yeah, no, 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 no. We, we wouldn't have. We, we would never. I on my own. I we. I if I did this on my own, it never would have gone this long and this far, for sure. Yeah. No, it's true. It's it's. Yeah, I mean, we talk about our wives being a team effort, but it's a team effort all around um, to do something like this. I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just look at anyone who's semi doing it professionally you're almost never doing podcasts by yourself long run. I mean, there's a handful of people that, that sort of do still single episodes by themselves, but most of their episodes be either interview based. And then they obviously have production teams. And obviously once you start making money doing your podcast, mm -hmm. you're paying a producer. Yeah. Like, but, but even, you know, you just see certain people like our, we got, you know, our friend IJ, like that was one of the first things I said to him, like with doing a, a podcast, like that helped us. The fact that, we were both doing it together. You know, it wasn't a one person thing yeah. um, made it so much easier. But at the same time, I look at someone like IJ who's got the, you know, graphic design component that, that he can do almost most or a lot of the work. And yeah. hopefully it's semi easy for him. I mean, I'm assuming Darnell, you know, your social media post editing was like, you know, probably, slightly stressful you know it's a little bit outside of your comfort zone you're pushing it yourself easier. a lot of the time but, uh, but yeah. it got it got a heck of a lot easier after making a lot of mistakes but <laughs> yeah no but but that's just part of the process of doing social media and even like as ij transitioned out of um 
um out of kazingaran yeah, start doing something different like even now like i'm i'm transitioning yeah i'm transitioning into uh i started a, a new uh instagram, instagram page uh instagram and TikTok. i'm actually on TikTok now um an instagram page uh called uh, mr samuel's class which is uh a vlog on um gentlemen's fashion style um yeah so just creating in that in that aspect um yeah just just i'm all, i gotta create I, I can't just be still i gotta be doing something creative so um if you're on instagram uh or TikTok, check that out mr samuel's class yeah so, so i'm gonna what i'm hearing is that there is a legacy to the sixth sense and maybe that legacy is that um people are going to tune in maybe not today or while you were making the show but i think that there there was a lot of really good content and i think that um you know it it might at some point really take off uh because it's so rare as you know nowadays to get um good reports um, yes like the six report six sense report it, yes. it's very difficult yeah yeah no no you're right tony because even like yeah i use it for class i use it on my class so my students will listen to it um because the content that we did that we created um is stuff that the kids um need to hear right like what is libertarianism um and what does that look in the look like in the context of uh being in this country economics minimum wage uh racism and all these other policies that we covered and looked at it from an economic and, and theological perspective uh so yeah there's definitely uh every every year or uh there, there's there's a younger generation being introduced to the content so yes you're right um it yes joel and i um are, are done for now um but but there's there's a newer generation being introduced to it every day and i think that you're you're inspiring other people to do the same and with anthony uh, being maybe a little bit more available now, uh, <laughs> people, uh, looking for Anthony and his um, and his artwork uh, mm -hmm. and what he can produce, and that might be me in in the future. Success <laughs> <laughs> report with Anthony and Tony. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know what, guys, I I think uh, we're we're about to close uh, in a bit, but um, I, I guess it would be fitting to ask you both uh to give us i guess your either your last two cents or your last words uh you know that you want to share with the listeners and uh in that regards joel you can go first ah uh, man i think for me you know my my let's call it modus operandi is generally i'm a, a very uh, I, I like to say i call myself a contrarian but in reality, I just, you know, I don't trust nobody. And and not not that I don't trust them. It's like test everything. Test everything. Like sniff test slash, you know, if you're if you know of similar information, okay, does that reconcile? Does that match? If it doesn't match, okay, both can't be true. What like don't let those contradictions sit there. And and for me, that was, you know, what led to a lot of my positions is that I just tease these things out and and I owned my opinion because it became my own as I was figuring out what's right from wrong. Okay. Sometimes I don't, I hold these things with an all open palm. If you got a good argument, I'll be, I'll listen. I'll be convinced. I'll change my mind. And, and I'm sure many people would be like, you never change your mind because I, when I own something, I generally am passionate. I, I I'll push wholeheartedly in terms of my position, but at the same time, it takes a lot to convince me because I'm not just, frivolously beholding to someone else's opinion and so i don't know i think for for me if i was people listen to me liked what i had to say obviously reach out t joel n39 everywhere i got my instagram back not quite sure how but i did um you know and and you know feel free to ask me questions in that regard like i still i still interested in these things i always said i hate politics but i love the ideas that underlie them because that's what influences how people think about politics or how people think and and again i don't like politics because i view politics the way that we tell other people or force other people to do what we want and rather i'd rather have conversations where people 
agree and live in similar life because they have the same common views. And if you don't go somewhere else and live with people, you know, and, and communicate with people that do. Um, so that's, that's my two cents <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Darnell, you could, uh, end us off too. Yeah. Um, what, what, what inspired me to start the six cents report was, um, Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28, where God gives a command to all human beings to uh, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion on the earth. Um, and this is a command to not just Christians, but to all human beings. And fast forward, we go to Matthew 28, and then Jesus gives a commission to his disciples to uh, go out and make disciples. And so what ends up happening is the Christians are focused a little too much on preaching the gospel and making disciples and not enough on being fruitful and multiplying and having dominion on the earth. What that means is stewarding God's creation. Well, this is what we call the cultural mandate um, using God's creation to promote human flourishing. And this is where we have to learn economic values to use God's creation. Well, um, to help others. Um, yes, we preach the gospel and then they say, no, thank you. And then you say, okay, are you hungry? Let me get you something to eat. Um, right. Oh, you're looking for a job. Let me help you get a job. Right. Um, these kind of, oh, you need a ride to work. I can give you a ride to work. Um, finding efficient ways to help promote human flourishing and helping people. Matthew five, Jesus says, you know, you want to do good works that makes unbelievers say, praise God. And so now mm -hmm. we have to think as Christians, like, okay, what kind of work can I do to help unbelievers where I can benefit them, where they could say, you know what? I don't believe in your God, but praise God. Mm. And so that's what I would say. That's my charge to the listeners. Um, and that's kind of the heart behind Six Sense Report and why we um, dug into these issues to not just look at the problems, but also find solutions. And on that note, Six Sense Makes Change. Bye, everybody. Peace. Madden and Mitchell Media.